Hi, artist. Welcome to Dear Artist Podcast. I'm Ben Samatia. I'm a painter and host of this podcast. I hope that you are doing okay and you can find some moments of peace and calm in the midst of the challenges that we're all facing right now. I want to spend a few minutes before this interview to tell you about the most recent project from Dear Artist. My goal of creating Dear Artist Project has always been to create a platform and space where artists can come together to share our stories, to love and support each other, and to grow together. This podcast is one venue to do that. And I want to let you know that if you want even more support, deeper connection, and growth, our online circle is open. We are extending the enrollment of Dear Artist Circle for one more week until April 10th. The circle is a virtual space where artists from around the world gather once a month to connect with each other through facilitated discussions about creativity, art, and life. Each month, the artists in our circle receive a creative invitation and prompt to help them explore and expand their creativity. To give you an example, last month, um, our creative invitation was to explore beauty. What does beauty mean to each of us and the role that it plays in our creative work? For this month, our creative prompt is to explore and learn how to talk about our art. We are looking into the importance of getting clarity in our work, how much to share, how much to communicate with the audience, and we're going to be practicing talking about our art together. Occasionally, we also invite a guest artist to share their expertise and join our discussions. Our next guest for April is Amy Donaldson, a fine artist from Redding, California. We are very excited to connect and talk more with Amy. You can find out about our circle and the two ways to join on our website, dearartistproject.com. Now, on to today's interview. Today's guest is Lisa Delantoni. Lisa is a community arts advocate and founder of Evanston Made Project and host of the Lisa D Show podcast. Over the past eight years, she has been building community and celebrating creatives and artists. Lisa is so, so passionate and she's buzzing with so much positive energy. I had a really great time talking with her, and I was so inspired by how much she really believes in artists and how invested she is in her community of Evanston, Illinois. Now let's hear Lisa read her love letter to you. Dear creatives, makers, artists, Most of us are entering strange times, but you might be familiar with them already, working alone without much of a budget with an empty canvas that might surprise you. You might be poised to come out of this better than any of us. 
I've always thought artists would lead us in the 21st century, lead us into better days and better ways of spending time and money, better ways of building community. In my community of Evanston, we are surrounded with artists on every block. I've met at least 300 of you, but rumor has it, there are 11,000 creatives in the community, architects, designers, painters, fiber artists. The humble nature of the Midwesterner prevents me from knowing most of you. I've turned to looking under rocks, asking people I meet if they know of any artist in the area. Obsessively, I've been rooting around for you for eight years, interviewing a hundred of you on my podcast, hosting hundreds of you at art openings and pop-ups. You've all been so lovely and kind and grateful. And that's what I love about artists the most. They all seem so in tune with gratitude, grateful for time spent with others in good conversation, the colors at sunrise and sunset, the textures of dirt in spring, the feeling of a distressed walnut floor in an old Polish meat shop. You have all taught me to be grateful for such things and I love you for that. And I want others to know this truth and to see you and to see your work so that we can all be led into a better place of connection, community, and gratitude. Love, Lisa. Thank you so much, Lisa, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Ben. Yeah. Um, so the letter is so, so lovely, and I would like to go into each part of it and ask you to elaborate more and ask you about the motivation behind the letter. But first of all, I would like to know more about you. And can you let us know about yourself and what you do and how you got here? Um, I am a, you know, my quick demographics is I'm a gray haired 47 year old mm -hmm. mother of two who's a major community arts builder. Mm -hmm. um, And I specify my age at 47 because it, I didn't really take on this work and this passion until um, my 40th birthday when I said, hey, I need a cause. I need a focus and mm. a, not a project, but sort of just a deeper connection with who I was on this planet and what I was going to do with the time that I had. And mm. I really... I chose to give back to artists. Um, I sometimes refer to myself as like a Peggy Guggenheim, but without any money, just lots of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I chose to um, focus on artists and community art building because when I moved to Evanston eight years ago, I just discovered that um, there was this, massive amount of artists in my community, but I didn't know any of them. And, and by nature, I, I connect to those people because I'm, I'm a producer and I work in media. So mm -hmm. I wanted to really discover who they were. And I just, I sort of chose that path and it's led me right now today to be a full-time community arts builder. It's all I do. It's what I live and breathe. And a lot of times I, people are like, Oh, what kind of art do you make? And I always say, Oh, I'm not an artist. I don't, I don't make things. I make things happen. Mm. Um, that's kind of my Twitter tagline. And it, it kind of explains that I'm, yes, there is an art in making things yeah. happen, 
but I, I don't have a physical manifestation of my energy. So that's sort of who I am right now today. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been on this journey for about eight solid years and I, it's, um, it's been a solo journey for a lot of it, but the longer I'm on it, the more people have come to the path with me. And that's been the most gratifying and exciting part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, you are an artist and I, I do see a physical <laughs> manifestation of your work. So just wanted to let you know. I know that you know it anyways. <laughs> um, but I, I want to go back a little bit before you started the Evanston Mate Project. What was your relationship with art like back then? Um, I think in my earlier days, I was... Um, more of a voyeur I would I, if, if I engaged in the arts most likely it would be the visual arts um, 2d so sculpture painting fiber arts and um, you know just attending art openings and purchasing mm -hmm. art and just being around it ancillarily but then when I fell in love with my partner husband um, he is a visual artist mm. and in getting to know him and understanding how, how he works, it became really evidenced that, you know, we, we as a couple really fit together so well because we are so opposite in many ways, but mm. many of my traits would really have benefited him if, and many of his traits would really have benefited me. And I always would be thinking like, wow, if we were together as one human, like, imagine all the things we could do, but then getting to know more artists, it became very evident that like a lot of artists aren't really chatty, self-promoting, loud, bossy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> None of them have my traits. Luckily, that's what makes them magic and special. And so it just became like, huh, there seems to be a pattern and I don't have any um, bandwidth. You know, I was learning about myself as I became more self-aware. Like I'm not patient and I don't let things surprise me and I'm not like oh we'll see where it lands I'm mm. very like, controlling results driven like I like to know exactly what's going to happen in 32 minutes mm. so it just became like there was this very natural merging of like I just was sort of meant to work with that group of people I was meant to serve those people I think some people probably feel that way about the environment they feel that way about the Lord yeah. I was like artists are the people I'm supposed to serve because they need all of this Lisa Dinas. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you have the skills that complement what with what artists don't normally have. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I and I don't. Um, I think a lot of times you in finding yourself, you you find who you're meant to serve, and it's so it it was a very like almost natural and organic aha moment at mm. forty. I was like, oh. These are the people that I'm supposed to help. Yeah. And it's so inspiring that you started out new to the city as well. So mm -hmm. I wanted to hear about the early days of the project. How did you get started and how did you connect with the artists? How did you find them? Well, I so we moved here and I started a personal blog because whatever it was eight 11, yeah, eight years ago. And I started mm -hmm. a blog to connect with our old friends in El Paso, Texas, where I had been, we had all been, my family had been living. I was on a job contract there mm -hmm. and 
the blog was called like Evanston newbie. And it was like, this is my new town and these are my new friends and this is what I do. And it was, I was posting a lot of like free art events that my family could go experience cause it was summer. And so mm. I was doing you know, in or inadvertently, I was like promoting things that you could go do together outdoors. Mm. And somebody who was working at the city of Evanston was like, Hey, you have a really interesting perspective on the town and you've got this fun blog. Do you want to join um, as a volunteer, one of our arts councils? And mm. that way you can sort of help um, be a volunteer for the arts in the city of Evanston. And I was like, sure, that sounds super fun. Yeah. And I had done volunteer based stuff in El Paso and San Diego and Brooklyn, but um, I'd never served like on a formal arts council. So I joined that and in the six months previous in El Paso, Texas, where I lived, we had had like an art studio crawl, right? Where like mm. there's a map and you could go to a bunch of different art studios. So I joined the Evanston Arts Council. I'm at the table with six other people and I'm like, oh, when's your, you know, when's your city's art crawl for the studio tour? Mm -hmm. And they're like, there isn't one. And I'm like, well, I just read a report from the Northwestern, you know, cultural arts department that there's like 11,000 artists here. Mm. Um, what do you mean there's no studio tour? And they're like, oh, it's just too much to produce. It's too much work and mm -hmm. do, do, do. And I was like, that's not a thing. It's like the, it's the easiest thing in the world. You can like draw a map on a napkin and hang mm -hmm. it up on a pole and people <laughs> like, so I just like, and that's very much, I think an earlier version of Lisa D was like, it's not happening. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And there is merit in that. And it's great, but it is better <laughs> if you get the six people at the table to say, mm -hmm it's not happening, let's we do it together. So mm -hmm. early iterations of Evans, so that's what Evanston made was, the very first year that it happened was 2013 and it was just a studio tour and it mm -hmm. was 25 art studios and it was me printing a map uh, with this great guy, Stephen Vialler, who's still you know a connection who was like, I'll make a map. And it was just really fun and organic and now it's, seven years old and it's insane mm, yeah <laughs> and it's so really in the early days it was there was a need for me personally and I met that need by making the event happen mm -hmm. very sick <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah can you tell us a bit more about some of the artists that are in um, the community and what are some of their stories that um, you think would be, you know, helpful or inspiring for other artists? Yeah, I mean, I always, there's a couple artists who are just like such go-to people for me. And I feel like I'm always like, they're the poster kids of <laughs> Evanston made. But like, um, I, I have to say that one characteristic of a lot of Evanston artists, and I don't know if this is, you know, something that is universal in other markets, but, they're very yes and, and maybe it's mm. the second city improv Chicago vibe here, but whenever I would extend an invite or an offer to participate, there are just a couple of the handful of people who are always like, yes, and what else can I do to level mm. that up? Like a Joanna Kramer, who is this incredibly talented um, ceramic artist who in the last five years that we've been working together has gone from, you know, being part of a a much larger studio collection to, you know, me convincing her to look at empty spaces in my neighborhood because I'm really trying to get 
a higher concentration of artist storefront studios in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And, you know, any other artist might've been like, could you stop sending me emails of real estate in your neighborhood, you annoying, pushy girl. But she's just always been like, yes. And what else can I do? And then Joanna like moves to a studio down the street from me. And then she starts offering these really fun, not only like after school camps for kids to do clay making, but then she's like, oh, and I'll do like a mom's night so women can come together or I'll do like a small group and it'll be creative playmaking. And so she started hosting events in her space and just like being willing to grow the community on this like micro level. She's mm -hmm. been at every step of the way. Yes. And, and every time I'm like, can I use your picture? Can you host this talk? Can you do She's always like, sure, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. So like I have this, ability to work with like five or six really engaged artists who are like, yeah, totally. I will do what's next. Ben Blunt. He's another one. Like letterpress artist had a studio in his basement for forever, a studio mm -hmm. the size of like, you know, four feet by three feet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hey, what about this space? What about this space? What about my neighborhood? Hey, could you come over here now? He's in, he has a beautiful letterpress studio, like four, five doors down from me. And you know, I'm like, Hey Ben, I'm going to launch this new interview series. Will you, um, let me interview you? Yes, Lisa. And mm -hmm. then it's like, Hey Ben could, you know, you share what you're making and then he makes a video and then he shares it with everybody. And it's like every step of the way, Ben has been such a great partner and community builder because he's constantly like, yes to the invitation. And here's the next thing that I'm going to do to help level it up. And mm -hmm. it's, if it weren't for artists like that, I couldn't do the work that I'm doing so quickly and so successfully. I mean, if everybody was like, I'm busy or I don't like people or no, you can't interview me, mm -hmm. it would be really hard, but they are just willing and able and excited. And it's been, I, I think that's the main reason that it's accelerated. Evanston mm -hmm. made it accelerated so quickly because of people like Joanna and Ben, and there's like a million more and Jurg and Kathy and Liz and hope and, you know, Lena, there's just a, a ton of people who have been so instrumental in just enthusiastically joining and leveling up Evanston made. Hmm. That's so beautiful. Um, I'm also wondering like, um, what, what is the, how do you call it? How, many what's the percentage of artists in the community who are self-taught and um versus people um, artists who have gone to art school that's interesting so i have found um in this evanston market a tremendous amount of saic grads right they've all mm -hmm. gotten an mfa mm -hmm. but i would say that like 42 percent of of people who I've met with an MFA are not making art. Hmm. They have insane college debt. They got whatever disappointed in the art land and now they're accountants and they're pissed and they're yeah. like 42. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I have the same encounter. I have the same experience. Like, amazing to me. And I'm just yeah. like, how about you don't get a master's? How about you just make art? How yeah. about you go and live among artists and get inspired and learn that way? So, I mean, if I had to guess how many artists who are part of Evanston made specifically because we have 300 members, how many of them have an MFA? Mm -hmm. I mean, or are, you know, trained in air quotes in the arts. I mean, I would say a really small percentage. I might say like 30%. I think there's mm -hmm. a ton of people in Evanston because this is such a 
supportive community that is very much like you do you like that could be our city flag like we have people who are enthusiastic about you pursuing your authentic endeavors and therefore don't waste time going to art school to get that MFA granted mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who do mm -hmm. but I would say there's just a tremendous amount of people who are just doing it and yeah. and young and starting like there's kids at ETHS who I work, try, I mentor, right, groups of kids mm -hmm. who are like, I'm 14 and this is my clothing line. I'm not waiting for anybody to give yeah. me permission and or get a certificate. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Now, um, I want to pivot into the letter that you wrote. Let me mm -hmm. pull it up real quick. Um, there are lots of paragraphs that I love. Um, let me see. I want to hear you talk a bit about, you know, when you were writing the letter, what went through your mind and why did you choose to write this message? Well, um, I, well, first of all, I think it's an interesting prompt that you invite people to write a love letter to artists. I think it's a very, um, sensitive and interesting way to get to the root of why people do what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, and I was wondering too, I'm like, Oh, I wonder what artists write to other artists. Yeah. Like does the love letter to themselves to be like, Hey, keep going, keep at it. And then a lot of people, I get the question a lot, like why artists, why are you helping them leave mm -hmm. them alone? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and I, and in the last couple of years, because I have, been engaging so much more with the public about what I do with Evanston made. I have really had to get to the root of what is it about artists that make me not only have an affinity to them, but like want to help them. And I, I feel like there's this through line throughout time that the really only constant that we've ever been able to do is human connection versus all the other species, right? Like we have the ability to, share a visual, um, remember the visual, talk about the visual, analyze the visual, and it becomes part of our story and our narrative. And we, from the time we were doing cave paintings to, you know, making a beautiful fiber art mosaic now, it's like, th that's been a very constant through line. Um, there's been a couple other ones like sex and eating and killing, mm -hmm. but mostly I like to focus on the, you know, art part of it. And I yeah. feel like there is this moment that we're at as a culture and as a civilization and all of that, where if we could adopt more of the creative solving problem skills of the artist, if we could embody more behaviors um, and traits of artists, I think we might be better served as a people. Mm. Um, and one thing, if I really had to think about like, what do artists all do other than be wonderful observationalists? Um, they're very cognizant and grateful for the basics, um, mm -hmm. not food and water and electricity, but like beauty mm -hmm. um, and time and other humans um, in a way that I haven't experienced other subcultures of people um, being grateful around a collective thing. And and it's made me 
accept because I do practice daily gratitude and I try to be like, what did I do today? And what am I grateful for? And what would I like to do tomorrow? But there's something about what artists are grateful for that makes me look at my life in a very different lens. Um, and it's the, it's become another one of those organic connections of like, Oh, it turns out that I have always been grateful for those things too, but I didn't know that that mm. was, you know, I thought that was a frivolity or I thought that was like a silly thing to be grateful for. But apparently yeah. there's like this whole entire culture of humans who were grateful for those same things. And, and like your, to your earlier point, I might not make paintings, but mm. I do connect with artists because yes. I, I have those deep and sensitive and, you know, traits of gratitude that they also do. So maybe at the end of the day, and I don't like to put titles on people, but I, maybe I am an artist because of that affinity. So mm -hmm. it was more of like a, this is how I connect to you. This is why I love you. Yeah. I appreciate you giving that exercise to people you interview. It's just, Thank it's a you. great way to deep dive into people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, this one specifically really stood out to me. So I want to talk about it too. You said, I have always thought artists would lead us in the 21st century, lead us into better days and better ways of spending time and money, better ways of building community. Let's talk more about that because I um, was talking to the artists in the artist community and I asked them, are you worried that when we come out of this, um, what do you call this situation um, or challenge or this difficult time? You know, do you think that um, it will be harder for us or for you to, you know, move through the career as an artist? And surprisingly, most of them said no, you know, um, they believe, on the other hand, they believe that this is the time, it's like a renaissance and something really beautiful will come out of it. And artists will be the one that leads the way that, you know, illuminate the path. So I found it really interesting that you also mentioned this. And I want to ask you, why do you believe that? I believe there has been a, well, number one, I'm super psyched to hear that other people think this. Mm -hmm. um, as a thought leader in this arena, I have been totally convinced that there is this zeitgeist movement in the last like five years. There's been a cultural shift. And I, I do know that I, Evanston is unique in that, especially the neighborhood I'm in is very much like the cake maker, the candlestick maker. It is, it's a community of makers, but it is mm -hmm. not an anomaly. There are many communities like it. And I believe in like the last five years, there's been this shift. Um, the more conscientious spender, the, the person who wants to know who made their bespoke mayonnaise from the boutique that has aioli that was grown in, you know, the garden in someone's basement hydroponically. There is this like, mm -hmm. people have a deep, rooted need as of the last five years to know the maker mm -hmm. and or make it themselves. There's a, there's been a shift in this, the spend and the trend to know the maker. Mm -hmm. And this maybe is happening because people feel less connected to objects. They don't want to feel like 
the poster was made in a factory mm. and then it got shipped somewhere and then it gets put on a shelf. They really want they want to go to the maker and make the purchase because it's it's a human connection. Yes. But then I also feel like there is this social and economic responsibility that people are feeling that if they have resources, the resources that they are spending should be shared with someone they know, with a neighbor, within a community, within mm. a region, um, and not in a weird nationalistic, like, I have to only support people who look like me mm -hmm. or on my block, but in a, I want to support the people who are in my community. Mm -hmm. I want to keep it local. It's the same, like, you know, shop local, locally made, all of that. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel as though, because people have asked me, like, well, who's going to buy art? you know, at the, after all of this, will there be money? And it's like, there's, yes, you can look at things through that lens of mm -hmm. commerce, but I think there's going to be a shift of even more. So people are going to be yearning to connect to the makers, but they're going to have to be smarter about how they spend. And there mm -hmm. might not be the big conglomerate, Amazon, blah, blah, to shop with. There, yeah. We might get smaller because of just the logistics of what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like artists who already have the skills to make and to mix colors and to bend wire are going to be leaned on in a way that is like very similar to the, you know, Florence, Italy of the, the 1100s. Yes. Like we are going to go way back. We're mm -hmm. going to go back to the maker movement where, because we actually have to. And I feel artists who just have a appreciation for a slower pace, appreciation for materials and time in a way that our super jump in the SUV and go to the next lacrosse mm -hmm. travel league human, it just doesn't have yet. And yeah. those people are going to be brought <laughs> yeah. kicking and screaming potentially, but they're, they're going to be brought. I think that is just the cultural shift that we're going to go through. And mm -hmm. it's not just about, will people have money to buy $10,000 paintings? That is a, a very small aspect of the cultural shift that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. and, but I feel as though it's been happening for five to seven years. It's, it's not new. And yeah. it's, it, it's really interesting to me that so many who, it's interesting to me who is calm in this moment and who is having a total heart attack. Mm. <laughs> I will how much. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I just feel like there is a level of the people who are insulated um, at this moment and who are calm mm. are the ones who can weather ups and downs. Um, and it, I feel like the temperament of the artist who is has been, you know, working with less on a tight budget and mm. deadline and having to accept that everything will be okay because mm -hmm. you have to accept that everything will be okay because it is the way it is and you can do nothing about it versus, you know, the titans of industry who are like, I'm going to force things to be a certain way right. and they're not insulated personally from this, maybe economically because they sold shares, but they, there's a, a panic level um, from that cluster of humans. And, and oftentimes they're the talking heads, they're the media we read about, mm -hmm. they're the people who allegedly take polls. Like there's all of that. And then I feel like there's the rest of the people who are like, it's 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 gonna be fine because it is gonna be the way it is. 
and mm. we've been dealing with adversity in our shops and our studios and because we chose a career that is not lucrative and part of the how much did you make every single day racket right. um, I feel like those people those creatives will be much more insulated and calm and are in in this sort of in this moment but also in this greater cultural trend mm-hmm. just mm-hmm corona-related. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I was just reading someone, um, someone was posting um, on Instagram that, oh, today I just realized that the lifestyle that that I've been living has always been the quarantine lifestyle. (laughs) You know, like artists Mm -hmm. have been living this lifestyle. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have been creating with the unknown, you know, so this crisis actually is not super new to us so so I found what you said um very interesting that you know some of us are kind of well insulated because we have practiced and we have living have been living this way for quite some time you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and the infrastructure what I find like in watching well that's just a whole different thing anyway mm-hmm. go on <laughs> <laughs> um so I also want to ask about your project, your recent project, because you also have your own show, the Lisa D show. And I listened to the the most recent episode where you created a new series called Art in the Time of Corona. Can you share a little bit about that and what you learned from these interviews lately? So I... Um... I used to have 150 years ago a live radio show um, and then I put that to bed and moved to a new market and I Mm -hmm. started three years ago a podcast as a practice of unearthing the creatives in my community Mm -hmm. and I got to... I was doing like one a week and then I was doing one a month and I just, it was just kind of like, it it was, I got to like 97 interviews over the course of three years. And I was like, where is this going? Is anybody listening? Who cares? Am I in a vacuum? I mean, people were listening, but it wasn't like, I just had to be like, what am I doing this for? Other than taking this creative um, census of my community. Mm -hmm. And I got 97 and I was like, you know what? I should just get to a hundred and put it to bed. Mm. I like the numbers. That would be fun to be like, listen to these hundred people. Um, but then I kept seeing this hashtag love in the time of Corona mm-hmm. off spinning off of the love in the time of cholera book yeah. by Gabriel Marquez. And I was like, that's so fun. And people are getting engaged and falling in love. And then I was like, talking to a lot of my, you know, neighbor artist friends who started doing these like pop-up art projects. And I was Mm. like, well, that's a fun little art in the time of Corona thing. And then I was like, wait a minute, I could do a series where every single day, because thanks to Zoom Mm -hmm. and Skype, we can record these fun audio tracks, right? Mm -hmm. And I could just do small pop-up daily, almost like a just check-in and with my people about what they're up to. Um, and some people were like, I, some artists were like, I already have this series and this practice and I'm not, this is not Corona related. This is just, mm. I'm already in my darn studio all the time. Yeah. But then other people were trying to do collaborative, more public displays of art to connect with the community who they missed. And I was like, that's so beautiful because Evanston Maid's whole ethos is, connecting artists 
mm. to the public. That's mm-hmm. all. I mean, it's like super basic, but like, how do we do that if we're all indoors? So Amanda Evanston, mm-hmm. a phenomenal artist and neighbor yes, friend. love her. Yeah. Love her. She's so amazing. She yeah. made this huge banner on her front porch. She lives on Dempster in Florence. Mm-hmm. Thank you, helpers. And I was mm. like, oh, that is awesome. And mm-hmm. then Open Studio Project yes. put her art exhibit in mm-hmm. their window. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. So there was like this sort of this little pattern was emerging. And then Alice George reached out and was like, hey, do you want to help me think through this sort of collaborative art prompt project I want to do where I invite people to do an art thing? And so it just very naturally, I was like, okay, here are four interviews that I could do like right now. So. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to interview people who are doing new projects that engage the public um, in an interactive way. So like, I'm not gonna do like, hey, I've been working on this landscape series for seven years, look at my new painting. Mm. But in the last you know, two weeks, I've started this project and I'm inviting people to participate in one way or another. So it has to be of the right now and it also has to be it has to have a community building um, element to it um, mm-hmm. in that it's asking p- people to participate yeah. so that I really feel like we, I keep hearing from people like, Oh, Evanston made is going to be so instrumental when we come out of this, because the framework of the connection that we're all dying for is there mm. and we're not having to invent the wheel and we're not having to invent new methods of connecting. Um, it's just the whole thing is going to be ready to go. But in the interim, me and the board have been like, what do we do? What do we produce, um, to make connection easier? Mm-hmm. But it's not what we do. That's not our mission. Our mission is to just connect and promote. Mm. Like we, we sort of like highlight existing. So it became like this, I'm going to turn the podcast over to just Evanston made members just working on Corona specific right now projects that engage the public. Mm. So it's been this again, like what has been so awesome about so much that has happened in the last eight years with this project is the next step is always met with such oh, of course that's what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's this wonderful organic yes. next, yes, and. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what this love or art in the time of Corona thing is. And mm-hmm. and then I, I ended up putting out to people like, hey, if you are doing a project, let me know. And I'm thinking like, no one's going to respond. I mean, already the whole week is booked out with conversations with wow. people reposting. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> so listening yeah that, that is so inspiring so i live in oak park and i'm like ah we need to bring this you know you you should um roll out this model to other cities too because i am an artist living in oak park and it's like it's very hard to find artists like on my block <laughs> i mostly have accountant um neighbors so i'm like <laughs> where do you find artists in in this community <laughs> you know so, so i i find what you do really oh, inspiring oh my gosh you have a million of them you but you yes. have a really big population of saic grads mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah data downtown yeah yeah um, yeah, I have met some, but like there has not been like a real initiative to get the Oak Park art community together. There are some like craftivism and I, I have seen more and more of that. And I'm new to the town too. So I'm just 
a year and a half in, you know, so oh, like okay. I'm learning and yeah, I'm really inspired by this community initiative that you have done. So it, it is Yay, so, so beautiful. We should talk after this too about, you know, how to bring this into a park in some other cities. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I want to know about what is next for Evanston Made. I know that time is still so uncertain right now, but I just want to hear about your vision for, for the next stage oh of the art community. <laughs> <laughs> my vision is so ridiculous. Um, so one of the things that um, has also been a pattern of late, unfortunately, is, uh, well, and it's not of late, I guess always when budgets are cut, right? Art funding mm -hmm. goes out the door. And um, in watching this trend over the last five to seven years of crowdsourcing and GoFundMe and microfinancing, you know, I've thought, what can Evanston Made do as it becomes a nonprofit, as it gets a board, as it seeks operational funding? What can it do that is different um, than the traditional? arts funding model like how can we demo we've, we've really done a wonderful job democratizing exhibiting we don't do juries we don't do applications mm -hmm. we don't anybody can participate and check your credentials we are very much like if you put it on a canvas it can be in the annual group show mm -hmm. now we've you know we've made it members only but that's because it's just there's too many people who are in the darn show so we have to like make it a little bit smaller, but yeah. we're trying to look at how we can be innovative and different about funding sources. And there's a lot of models out there um, that are really successful and interesting about just getting money into the hands of artists, money that is not tethered to a end result project and or 20 hours of volunteer work, but literally like $500 to Jane, to buy paint or do whatever the heck she unrestricted funds to artists. So we are looking at building a fund that is created by $5 donations that mm. is created by percentage of sales. Mm -hmm. And it's going to, it's called the art spark fund. We, one of our donors um, helped start it with a thousand dollar donation, which mm. some people are like, great, a thousand dollars call me when that's a million, but mm. it starts, I mean, everything starts with a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah got like a thousand of them from one mm -hmm. human who's mm -hmm. one of members so that's the other thing is like this we're looking at what can even the artists do to build and a lot of people are like why do the artists need to fund artists they don't they don't need to be the only ones but they need to be part of it so mm -hmm. looking at sort of flattening the model of who gives we're going to try to do that and then you know really thinking more strategically about one of the aspects that is so different or difficult with artists in the 21st century as galleries go away and gallerists go away um, and mm -hmm. art producers go away because yeah. it's not lucrative enough. Mm -hmm. What can we do with alternative exhibiting spaces to get the public to engage with our artists? Can we work with downtown Evanston as, you know, retail makes a quick exit and there are empty storefronts. Can we do pop-ups? Last year we had this super fun maker's market. Like, so Evanston used to host something called the largest garage sale in the whole world mm. at the Maple Street 
um, garage. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was like, you could just open up your trunk and sell whatever you wanted. And like 30,000 people came and it was the greatest day of their lives. And it lasted for like 30 years and Mm -hmm. the chamber of commerce used to host it. And then it went away. And that seems to be a pattern here. Like a lot of great things happened and then they went away. So we brought back this maker's market and we rented out a, a, the fifth floor of the Maple Street garage and charged people 75 bucks for a table and had like this fantastic pop-up, super fun celebration of shopping and mm. making and mm. art. And it was great. And it was like one of those things where if we could cultivate and support more pop-up opportunities where people weren't burdened by brick and mortar, mm-hmm. they burdened by, I got to get a $50,000 tent and hope that it doesn't rain. Like if we could remove all the barriers for artists to just connect with the public through innovative and different programming. So like funding in a different way, programming in a really like boundary free way. And then thirdly, we, you know, the, the grand vision of the whole darn thing is some type of facility and or neighborhood that is a collection of buildings um, where people can not only look at artists in the wild making, Mm -hmm. not only shop at a store that has art in it, but, you know, more of a experiential learning environment where people of all ages and skill levels can engage directly with the artist to learn how to mix colors, how to clean brushes, how to stretch canvases, but really make it, um, not a credential based learning environment and Mm. not cost prohibitive and not age based. There's a lot, there's plenty of kids who are turning 17 who are like the higher education model is broken and Mm. I don't want to pay $67,000 to study philosophy and do nothing with it. I just want to start my jam now, (laughs) you know, like, so I just kind of feel like that's another trend where like, can Evanston made be more responsive to the makers who don't want to go into debt and get an MFA and then be pissed off accountants at 42. Can we redirect those creatives in a way that is super, not only employing the older master artist, but also engaging the younger creative who just wants to take a different path. Mm. So, you know, I mean, this is like a lot. I, and I hear myself saying these things and I'm like, would you just go sit down and have a glass of wine and calm down? <laughs> but I mean, like, I feel like I'm only saying these because I know that they're here and possible. I've seen all of these things happen in very small ways. Mm -hmm. Like, can it happen in grand ways? And even if you, you know, if you say it enough times, then it's going to happen. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for asking me the vision question because it is huge. And I, I mean, I have a neighborhood in mind. There's an old manufacturing neighborhood. It's like the same, and it happens in every other community, like Mass Mocha, right? There's mm-hmm. a bunch of factories. Factories go to China. They're all yes. empty. Oh, no, tear them down, make condos. Or, so there's a whole neighborhood by me of 20 buildings that are like 60,000 square foot flat roof brick factories. Some guy named Andy Spatz is going to buy them all and make condos out of them or... Maybe yeah. the city of Evanston could make a TIF district. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could have arts district. Maybe we could change a whole neighborhood into an arts community of education and studios and sharing. But, yeah. you know, I got to call a couple of people at the city to make that happen. And yeah. Are you still uh, part of the art council in Evanston? No, you can only do um, a three-year stint. And I did oh, two okay. three-year stints. So I did that for six years. Wow. Oh, my God. 
which was so long. I'm so done with that. But <laughs> really what I what it allowed me to do is understand deeply the inner workings of how things happen in government and how things don't happen. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting. I've, I've come out of that working very closely with this amazing guy named Paul Zalmazak out of the Economic Development Department. He's been an amazing resource um, to really help me get in front of the right people to talk about things like TIF districts and microloans and neighborhood signage and stuff like that. So he's been an awesome resource and I know I'm not going to run for mayor, so don't put <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> But yeah, it's so, so, so great to hear. And thank you for all you do for, for the art community. I can feel your energy just bursting. So I know that the community needs you. So thank you on behalf of all of us artists. <laughs> um, my last question is, um, do you have anything else that I didn't ask you that you would like to share? Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing, because you, I hear from many people like, oh, uh, when, if you could just do this in my town and, or why can't this happen in, you know, my neck of the woods, uh, I'm curious to know why there's not more people doing the work that I'm doing and the community building. Like, I'm curious, like, do you ever run into people who are, you know, just doing arts support for art's sake? Because you talk to a lot of people and it's, I know that it's really difficult to make art and build community. Like those are mm-hmm. two different animals, but mm-hmm. like, do you meet many community art builders and where are they and how do I, and like, like where are the best practices or do you feel like it's just such an anomaly that it's like not something that you run into a lot? Well, I think you are special. Like I, or like the people that I have met so far are mostly artists who are doing their art practice. And like you said, you know, I, I actually did interview Addie and she, her episode will come after yours. Um, But she was talking about she is an artist and an art activist, and mm-hmm. she has started the movement of this um, grassroots artist run community art space, you know, and her point was that it's challenging to do because once she, the minute she started this project her friend and mentor told her, you know, you know that your art practice will suffer, right? Like mm-hmm. there is no way to do both. You know, mm-hmm. something's got to give. So this, what you're doing, it's it's challenging for, I think a lot of artists would like to do this, but as practicing artists, it's it's challenging to, to try mm-hmm. to run both. But I have talked to a few art curators um, who are independent art curators and are starting to do more of these grassroots projects. However, what I've seen is more of like on a global level and on an online level. So that's why Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing, engaging the actual physical community is very unique. And yeah, I would like to talk more about that too. And I don't know, I don't have the answer about like where to find those people because I would like to find them in my local community as well, you know? Yeah, and when I try to look at like models, like I remember reading 
like Michelle Obama's um, biography and or autobiography and like talking about the early community building days that that Obama was doing when he was running for senator and like physically go knocking on doors and going to church basements and like that really like localized grassroots movement of connecting humans I mean that work is dirty and it takes mm -hmm. forever mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like I like I'm always trying to like is there a hybrid where I can blend an existing model that's more regional but at the same time at the end of the day like if you ask you know the board and all the volunteers it's like no we just literally want to get to know our arts yeah. neighbors like yeah. it's interesting if, if you hear of or learn about models out there that are like hyper localized but also have sort of regional impact and awareness mm -hmm. let know yeah yeah <laughs> Let's keep looking. And yeah, yeah. people in, in the community too. If you find something, please reach out to Lisa, which brings <laughs> me to, can you share your um, social media handle and your website so people can go find you? Yeah, the um, all of Evanston Made contact info is at evanstonmade.org. And that's M-A-D-E, not M-A-I-D. Mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, <laughs> we're Evanston underscore made. On Facebook, we're Evanston Made. And then we, um, I also have the Lisa D Show podcast. It's on Instagram, it's the Lisa D Show. And on SoundCloud, it's Lisa Dagley and Tony. But mostly the best way to connect with us is through Evanston made because it really illustrates the breadth of not only programming that we offer, but also artists who we showcase. And one of the things that we're super proud of is Kathy Halper is our like amazing, she's an artist and she's a crazy, wonderful, talented sort of branding person. Her and Liz Kramer have put together this campaign that highlights all of our members so if you go to evanston made you can go to this members tab and the two of them have put together like portfolios and then a whole entire instagram story feed of like all of our artist members mm -hmm. so it's sort of like that the breadth of what we do i think is evidenced by their work highlighting mm -hmm. our members because of the fact that we, when we launched membership we were like oh like 25 people will sign up <laughs> literally the year 300 humans that's so great gave us money to be part of our organization <laughs> and I'm like <gasps> so I'm also very energized about that because it's yeah there's a lot of people to serve and work to do mm -hmm. yeah yeah a lot more work to do <laughs> yeah thank you so much Lisa for your time today thank you for in interviewing me I'm so flattered and I just thank you for the work that you're doing your model sounds really really interesting and, and like doing a deep dive about you I, I just love that you're allowing for such interesting ways for artists to build community you know you're doing the same thing but you I mean the nice thing is you get to work with people really all over the world if you choose and I I really like the way that you've approached connecting people through the practice of making art it's super beautiful and your testimonials are awesome thank you thank you so much Lisa <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Artist Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends or leave a lovely review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will help the podcast reach more people. I appreciate you being here and spending time with me and the guest, and I will see you in the next episode. 
Thank you. Bye.